Welcome to the Well Studying Podcast. This is episode 150. It's November 3rd, 2015. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, in today's episode, I want to focus in on corporate bonds and specifically on something that's called a step-up bond. Now, I've been receiving a lot of interest and questions lately about bonds. I think because uh, to some degree, that's because interest rates are coming up a little bit. And then also, I think people are looking to cash out of this market and lock in their profits before the end of the year while the market is in a recovery and they're looking for a safe investment, you know, going into 2016 in the election year. So in this episode, I'm going to dedicate the theme to specifically talking about step up bonds or step up notes to kind of set the stage. I will briefly talk about some bonds in general. I'm not going to elaborate greatly on on that. I've done it in, in previous episodes. So here goes. Let's get right down to business. A bond is a form of debt. It's called a debenture. Now, bonds are issued by the federal government. They're issued by state and local governments. Those are generally called municipal bonds. Bonds that are issued by the United States federal government are called U.S. Treasuries. And then forms of debt that are issued by corporations are known as corporate bonds. Now, right up front, I want to clarify some terminology. Bond is generally the generic term that's used for debenture or a type of debt. I use it interchangeably. That's not factually accurate. There are three types of debentures. And the distinguishing difference between these three type of debt instruments are the duration or the length of time that the loan is in effect. So the shortest length of time is a debt instrument called a bill. A bill is a debt that has a duration of time of less than one year. So if you borrowed money from some government entity or from a corporation, and let's say it was for three months or six months or less than 12 months, then although we may call it a bond, in actual uh, proper definition would be that it should be referred to as a bill, a bill, B-I-L-L. Think about the money that you spend. Since the U.S. currency is a debt-based currency, it's no longer based on a hard asset like gold. It's based on debt. Every time you take possession of a U.S. dollar, you're holding an IOU from the federal government. And what do we call those dollars? We call them dollar bills, right? We call them a bill because it's a short-term IOU from the federal government that can be redeemed at any time. Now, the the trick there is that it's no longer redeemable for silver or gold or any type of backing like that. So what it's redeemable for is the full faith and trust of the U.S. government, and you can redeem it for any type of legal products and services in the United States and also to pay your taxes. So your U.S. dollar bill is a short-term debenture or short-term form of debt, and that's why it's called a bill. Now, the next category of debt instrument based on a time duration is a note. A note is an IOU that's issued for a period of time or a duration from one year to 10 years, and that anything longer than 10 years is considered a bond. Okay, now this was a really fast primer on debt instruments. I've simplified it quite a bit here, and I haven't gone into full long definitions. There's a lot of things I've left out. I have taken some shortcuts. For example, I haven't talked about commercial paper, which is generally a short-term corporate debt that matures in nine months or less. That's generally where your money market funds go into. They go into corporate paper. 
there are a lot of ins and outs on this. I am not a fixed income or a bond expert by any stretch of the imagination. I've even used the term debenture very liberally. By pure definition, I think it can be stated that a debenture is really only an unsecured debt. So that would be a debt that's not asset-backed, such as your mortgage. Your mortgage is a secured debt because if you don't pay your mortgage, the bank can come in and repossess your house. You see, when you have a mortgage on your home, you don't actually own your home. The bank owns your home. You only get to live there as long as you make the payments on it, and you can't ever claim full ownership until you're 100% paid up on all the principal and interest, and that's the only time that you get title to the property. Up until that point, the home is an asset on the bank's books, not on yours. It's a liability to you. Now, again, I'm not going to go into all the ins and outs on unsecured debt and specifically what a debenture is because many people, including myself, use that term interchangeably, just like bond. I may talk about a debt instrument. I call it a bond when really in practice it should be called a bill or a note. So even during the course of this episode, I'm specifically going to be talking about corporate debt and I'm not going to really specify what the time frame is. So really, I might be talking about a note because it's less than 10 years, but I'll still refer to it as a bond probably. Okay, so forgive me on that. In any case, here's the point. All forms of investing, including investing in bonds or bond funds, come with risk. The biggest risk is that whoever's borrowing the money from you will not pay you back your principal. The key difference between a bond and a bond fund is that when you own a bond, as long as the entity pays you back the interest and pays you back the principal and you hold it until it's fully mature, then your risks are minimal. Since they paid you the interest that they promised and since they paid you back the principal amount once you held it to maturity, then the only thing that you have to worry about from a risk standpoint at that point is inflation and also the fact that you might have lost an opportunity cost if you had a 10-year yield that was paid to you at, say, 3% and over the course of those 10 years, interest rates went up to 8%. Well, in practice, since the entity paid you the full amount that they promised you, and then since at the end you got your principal back, your investment followed through as planned. You received everything that was entitled to you, and so that could be considered a successful investment. However, you did lose the opportunity cost of only being paid 3% over those 10 years when at some point interest rates went up to 8%. So you lost that 5 percentage points of opportunity cost. Your bond did hold its full value, though, because you held it till redemption and you received your principal back. Now, I, I stress that point because that's different than if you have your money invested in a bond fund, which could be an exchange-traded fund or in a mutual fund. And, and these bond mutual funds are very popular and they're the key and, in some case, the center point of many people's 401k investment strategy because they're told that bond funds are safe and that as you get older, you should gravitate to mutual funds that are concentrated in bonds. Well, here's where, in my opinion, that logic falls apart. If interest rates go up, and since we're at the tail end of a 30-year cycle of interest rates coming down, we have to assume that at some point they will start to normalize and go up, even if they never reach the high single digits like we saw uh, pre-1990s. They could still appreciate considerably high from where they are today. The problem with that, if you're in a bond fund, is that the principal in that fund could and will go down as interest rates go up. 
And so if you're in a 10-year bond fund that's currently paying 3%, if next year we have some kind of crazy inflation and interest rates go up to 5%, well, then next year that bond fund will be paying you 5% on your principal that's invested in it. And so you'll be happy about that because this year it's only paying 3%. Next year you'll be receiving 5% on it. That's the good news. The bad news is because your bond fund was already invested in 10-year treasuries. And they continually reinvest in those as the old ones mature. But those bonds that they hold that own that, that have that longer duration, and they were only paying 3%, when interest rates go up to 5%, those bonds will be of less value. And whether that bond fund is marked to market and so consequently is required to reduce the value of their bond holdings or whether they're constantly trading those bonds to buy new ones before they mature, in either case, the principal value of those bonds have gone down. And since as a owner of a mutual fund, the value of your investment, the principal that you originally put into that bond fund will, will decrease as well. And so next year when interest rates have risen 5%, you will be receiving a 5% payment on your principal. The problem is, is that your principal is now lower. And in some cases, it could be significantly lower if yields go up high enough in the future. Now, I know that most of you understand that. I appreciate you following along with me because I, I constantly hear from listeners and I know there are a lot of people that don't understand that. So forgive me if I've repeated myself. And then for those of you that still are unclear, well, do some research on your own before you move into bond funds. And then rest assured, we'll be talking about it in the future as well. So you'll, as you hear me talk about these things, these principles more and more, your knowledge will accumulate and you'll better understand it in the future. So back to the topic at hand in this episode, and that's corporate bonds that are known as step-up bonds or step-up notes. Now, generally, a traditional bond has a fixed rate or a fixed yield that it pays over the course of the duration of the IOU. That's referred to as a coupon rate. So if you own a bond that pays a 5% yield or a 5% coupon rate, then you'll receive 5% a year of your principal amount of your money over the duration of that bond until it matures. Generally, these payments are paid twice a year. So every six months, you'll receive a check that is your payment of interest. And then at the end, when that bond matures, at the end of the duration, you'll receive your principal back. Now, what we're talking about in this episode is something called a step-up bond. Now, step-up means that the bond has a variable interest rate. And generally, what that means is that it's designed to increase over time. It's similar to what occurs with homeowners when they get a variable interest rate. A step-up bond works similar to that, but you know the yield schedule ahead of time. And the incentive or the tickler on these is on the uh, longer end of the duration. So what they do is they offer you a lower interest rate up front, which is a negative to you because remember, you're not the borrower, you're the lender. And so you would actually rather have the higher rate immediately. So in effect, what you're doing is you're offering the corporation the variable mortgage or the variable loan, and you're giving them the teaser rate of saying, hey, if you borrow my money, I'll only charge you X percent today or for the next three or five years. But after that term ends, then I'm going to raise the rate and make it higher. So many investors, when they see these step-up rates, they think the advantage is on their end. But again, in my opinion, the advantage is actually to the corporation that's borrowing the money from you. 
they're the ones that are getting the discounted rate, not you. And so how these escalating rates or this step up rate works is that maybe for the first three or five years, you'll receive 2% interest. And then the next period of years, maybe two or three, it'll step up to a much nicer amount and maybe you'll receive 4% interest. And then the following two or three years, it'll jump up even higher and maybe you'll get 6 or 7% interest. So you as an investor, particularly in a very low yield environment like we're in right now, you're looking at that higher interest rate in the future, that 4 or 5 or 6 or 7% rate. And you're saying, boy, well, that'll be mine in the future. And so I want to get this bond and I want to lock into it. Now, the problem I have with step-up bonds, and again, this is only my opinion. I never offer any advice or recommendations. I just tell you what's on my mind and I explain things to you as I see them. If you're interested in buying corporate bonds, you need to talk to your financial professional. You need to do the research on your own. You need to read the paperwork and make sure you understand it. What I'm describing here may not have anything at all to do with the type of bond you're looking at. Okay, so I'm just talking for educational and instructive purposes only. But here's what I don't like about them. You as an individual investor, you look at those higher rates in the future and you realize that you're not going to get those up front. It's a tickler rate. You're receiving the smaller yield now for promise of a higher yield in the, in the future. I don't have any problem with that because you're aware of that. But here's the problem I have, and I think that in most cases, it's not explained to you, or if it is, it's glossed over. And so as an investor in step-up bonds, what you may come away with not knowing is the full impact of the fact that that bond is callable. Now, they will explain that to you, and what that means is, is that after a given period of time, that bond can be called by the corporation that borrowed the money from you, and what that means is, is that they have the right to pay you in full to give you all your principal back and not pay you any of those higher interest rates that were on the schedule for future, for future yield payments. And again, this is very similar to, although not exactly like, when a homeowner refinances their mortgage. Now, you're probably very familiar with that. You know that if you had a mortgage that charged you an interest rate of 5%, and then if interest rates drop down to 3%, you'll go out, you'll refinance, you'll either do it with your existing uh, bank lender, or you'll find somebody else, you'll reborrow that money, you'll renegotiate for another 15 or 30 years at a lower interest rates, the interest rates that are prevailing at the time, and then that new lender will pay off your old mortgage or, you know, pay the old bank the principal that was owed to them, but that old lender does not receive the full amount of interest. They only get the outstanding principal that, at, that was owed at the time that the loan was paid off. Well, these callable corporate bonds work the same way, except remember, you're the lender in this case. And so while you were counting on getting 4 or 5 or 10% interest rates paid to you in the future, maybe out in 4 or 5 or 6 years, well, that most likely won't take place if the market rate of return is lower than what was promised to you in your payment schedule. Just like that homeowner that went out and refinanced when rates came down, your corporate borrower is going to do the same thing to you. Now, that's always in the paperwork, and it is explained to you, but I don't necessarily think the the gravity or the full consequences are laid out to you in such simple terms. You see, the fact of the matter is, is that the only thing that you're guaranteed is that interest rate that you're paid up front for the first three or four or five years, because after that point, those bonds are callable. 
So if your bond is callable within three years, you have absolutely no guarantee of a yield after three years or after four or five years, whatever it's set at. And what you can be sure of is that if in the future, if interest rates are less than what you've negotiated on your payment schedule, that corporation has a chief financial officer that is on top of those things, and they will immediately call that bond, pay you off in full. You're not getting ripped off. Your money's not being stolen from you. You will receive your full principal, just like the bank receives the full amount of the principal on the mortgage when it's paid back to them. When you refinance, you'll receive that back. But those higher interest rates that you are counting on, you're not going to receive those. And so, again, this is just my opinion, but many of the step-up bonds that I've looked at, they're really heavy-weighted on those out years. You know, they're offering you 8 or 9 or 10% interest rate. And so many investors are, are uh, attracted to that, uh, that allure, that gleam, right? They just see the glittering of the higher interest rate. They really don't pay attention to the fact for those first three or four or five years, they're only going to be getting, you know, 2%. It's like the way they price gasoline. It's a dollar ninety-eight point nine nine cents a gallon, and you look at it and you say, "Oh, it's a dollar ninety-eight. Well, no, it's not a dollar ninety-eight. It's a dollar ninety-nine." But you kind of ignore what's at the uh, the other end of the decimal point. The same thing when you buy something in the store. It says it's on sale for nine ninety-nine. That's the reality of the situation. I'm not saying that step-up bonds are a ripoff or that you're being uh, defrauded or anything. I do think, though, and again, just my opinion, I think it is a little bit of a, a sleight of hand, maybe not quite as bad as a bait-and-switch, but there is some glossing over and obscuring of the reality of the facts. Because I think if you did a statistical study, and particularly over the last 30 years since bond, since interest rates have been coming down, I think that anybody that has entered into one of these step-up contracts, the likelihood of them being paid those really high yields that pay out in the out years, well, they never materialize. And again, it's not a rip-off. It's in the contract. It's explained to you. You just may not fully understand it. So if you do enter into one of these, don't bank on the fact that you're going to be getting that 7 or 8 or 10%. Know that the likelihood, especially as long as we remain in this low interest rate environment, the reality is that you're probably only going to get that 2 or 3% that's offered for the first couple years. And then the bond will be called and you'll receive your, your principal back. So if you are someone's retired and you're looking at this and you want this to provide income to you, don't use that high interest rate to project your income out into the future. Remember, the likelihood is that bond is going to get called and you're never going to receive those rates. The other side of that coin to remember is, is that what if interest rates actually go up and exceed what they've promised you? What if they promise you that, you know, in four years, your rate steps up to a 4% yield? But what if we get into some type of a high inflation environment and interest rates go up to 6%? Well, you'll still only be receiving 4% when the marketplace is paying 6%. And you'll be stuck. You see, you don't have an exit clause or an exit strategy on your end like the corporation does. They can call the, the debt back from you, but all you can hope to do is to hold that debt till maturity or to sell it to somebody else on the secondary market. Okay, that corporation has no obligation to pay you off early. And most of these go out at least 10 years or more. So you're locking yourself in. The other problem that I, I don't like, and again, I don't think this is explained to investors, is that the secondary market for these instruments is very limited. 
meaning that if you do decide to sell it before the full duration is up, before it reaches maturity, well, potentially or most likely, you're going to have a hard time finding a buyer for that. It's not like owning General Electric stock where you can just call up your discount broker and say, hey, get rid of that. Or like a mutual fund where you can sell it and by the end of the day, they, that mutual fund company has to redeem it back from you. You own that debt. And yes, you may be able to go to a bond broker and sell it, but the secondary market for that for uh, coming from an individual is small. It's not guaranteed. And so consequently, it's not liquid and you'll be forced to sell it at a discount and also probably at a very high commission to whoever sells it for you. So when you look at all those reasons I've just explained, and then you also consider the fact that these step-up bonds generally go out 10 or more years, then you're getting into the risk of inflation, and you're also getting hit with the uncertainty of whether interest rates will come off of the bottom that they're in now and, and move up to a more normalized yield curve. For all those reasons, I personally don't like step-up bonds. So again, and as always, that's just my opinion. That's a position I take. You need to think about it, study it on your own, discuss this with your own financial professional, and then draw your own conclusions, make up your own mind on the matter. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.